Allow me to open in a word of prayer. Our sovereign God and eternal Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this wonderful morning, this bright and sunny morning that you have woken us up alive and uh, prepared us to worship the triune God. We want to ask for forgiveness because we are sinners and in and by ourselves we cannot approach a holy God. We need to be reconciled through Christ Jesus. And those who have, who have believed have got open access in Christ because the, the veil has been torn. The walls have been broken down. The walls of hostility. We no longer have uh, to have human mediators, but we have the true mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to ask, oh God, that this morning, as we seek to understand creation um, of man, that you would open our eyes and that the Holy Spirit would enlighten us such that we may have a better understanding or for many of us today, a new understanding of the creation of man from the biblical accounts. Lord God of heaven, we want to pray that our sin does not hinder us from worshipping you truly and that, Lord God, we would concentrate on the word and the scriptures and pay attention such that we would be enabled to grow. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, dear friends, we are in the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Yesterday, I sent in, uh, albeit late uh, into the night, what we'll be covering today, which is the fourth chapter of the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. And we will be looking at particularly the creation and constitution of man. The creation and constitution of man. And we'll see point two and point three of the fourth chapter. We are so thankful that our brother Sunday gave us an introduction of creation in general. And he walked us through, uh, of course, notwithstanding his limitations and his fallenness, through what God did in creation. We cannot exhaust the, um, the, 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 the vast depths uh, of creation and what God did. And so now, uh, having looked at, uh, you know, God... The Father, the Son, and the Spirit being there to create, having existed before because there was never a time God didn't exist. Now proceeding after six whole days to create everything else, to create man. 4.2 
This is the London Baptist Confession of Faith of the 1689. And dear friends, we must be, uh, we must pay attention to the 1689 because it summarizes what we believe as a church. Not only that, it helps you in evangelism. It helps you know better how to present the truth of God's word. And it is presented in concise point form so that you are able to do so. So it's not so much so that, well, you know, we're just going to do the 1689 and we've got nothing to do. We're bored. Uh, this is so boring, you know. Well, you know, give us power, you know. This is actually powerful because it's taken from the word of God. 4.2. After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, with rational, immortal souls making them suitable for that life to God for which they were created. They were made in the image of God in knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. They had the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it. At the same time, they had the possibility of transgressing the law. Sorry, that law being left to the freedom of their own will, which was subject to change. Which was subject to change. I want you to note accordingly that mankind was created after all creatures. Mankind, just in case you think, well, you know, after all, brother, we are the most special uh, uh, things that have ever been created because we're created first. We note that mankind was created after all the creatures. We also see that God created mankind. Mankind is not like God in the sense that God himself is uncreated. He, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, has always been. So when people come to you, uh, charismatics and all these uh, weird people who believe all sorts of weird beliefs and tell you that you are a God being, you must stop them and say, stop, stop, stop. I need clarification. What are you talking about? And then, when you hear what they believe, you will then be able to engage in a discourse with them of refuting error and blasphemy. Or heresy. We see that God created mankind with a clear distinction in the constitution of their genders. There are only two genders male and female. 
nothing else, despite what the world tries to pump into your minds. When you feel your passport forms as you are filling them in immigration or wherever else, you see that the form has male, an option of male, an option of female, then they'll say, you know, other or whatever. You don't have a category. But we see that God specifically created man, mankind, and two distinct genders, male and female. You would have thought that that is so straightforward, right? You would have thought that for all the education and the wisdom that the world boasts to have, that this would be clear to all. But as it is, as we see from the scriptures and as we see from the world around us, the world is becoming more and more confused and they're creating their own pattern and having all these other genders. You know, I'm asexual. I am uh, I'm a man, but I think I'm a woman. I'm a, I'm a woman in a man's body, etc., etc. God was not confused in creation he is not confused now he created the male and female and so we as the church despite the fact that we are hemmed in from all sides and hemmed in from within by the way because there are people who say, oh, no, you know, brother or sister, you need to be a bit, you need to move with the times, you know, just accept the way they are and, you know, just accept the category and tick. We must be able to declare unapologetically that God created them male and female. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image so please note there dear friends that male and female which is man mankind is created or are created in the image of god so there's no uh there's no such thing as you know there's a lesser gender or a better gender all are created equally in the image of God. Women bear the image of God. Before we get deeper into this, we want to go systematically in the confession itself. We see then 4.2 after God had made all other creatures, he made he created man and female with rational and immortal souls man was created by god with an immortal soul which is distinguished from animals there's this certain belief system that is prevalent uh in our culture today that you know animals of souls and when they die, they'll go to heaven. There's even these movies that say, oh, dogs go to heaven, etc., etc. Dogs were not created in the image of God. God gave them life, but they were not created specifically the way human beings 
were created. Mankind briefly is, is body and soul. Right? Flesh and bones, that is the body, the, the eyes that we see, things that we see, etc., etc. They're visible to the eye. Alright? And then the soul is the invisible, as you will, uh, or uh, invisible inner man. The one which we cannot physically see, but manifests itself in works and fruits. Do you want to see the state of someone's soul? Observe their works. Observe their works. And even as we think about this whole, uh, the creation of man, we begin to see in the text that man is the crown of creation. Man, as it were, without stretching it further, as it should, is God's best. There is nothing more spectacular or as spectacular as mankind created in the image of God. All other things fall short. The mighty Zambezi, as, as, as you will, is not created in the image of God. Dogs are not. Animals are not created in the image of God. The, whatever you think is amazing, the, the, the Grand Canyon, the Old Divide Gorge, whatever it is, is not created in the image of God. And this is why it's this is why murder is horrendous. Because it shows that those who are perpetrators take lightly lightly, sorry, the image of God. Abortion. Every other day we see in the news uh, or even if you go to the on on on, on the internet you see uh, statistics of babies that are being murdered by the hour uh, and it shows that mankind is hardened in his conscience his conscience is seared because he does not grasp that or appreciate or accept the fact that he's created in the image of God with the soul God breathed life into man he gave him life. The Imago Dei. So, you must, you must ask yourself this question. What does this actually mean that mankind is created in the image of God? Well, a most basic observation observation uh, is that mankind resembles or reflects God in character. He loves what God loves or hates what God hates or should hate what God hates or should love what God loves. Of course, the fall of man corrupted mankind. But in his original state, the way God created him, he was meant to reflect God, the creator, in subduing the earth and multiplying, in doing good, in uprightness, in righteousness. But what happened? The fall occurred. And mankind 
fell. Man is in some way like God. He's able to make choices that have motivations and which are self-conscious, conscious, unlike the lower creation and animals. He's similar to God. Furthermore, man possesses the law of God. That's what the confession says. If you read then point two, with rational and immortal souls making man suitable for that life to God for which they were created. They were made in the image of God in knowledge, righteousness and true holiness. They were set apart. They were meant to think God's thoughts after him. They were meant to do exactly as God said, although not God. And we'll get to this just now. They had the law of God written in their hearts. Romans 2 verse 14 says, the Apostle Paul says that the law of God is written, sorry, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Romans 2, 14 to 15. So, when the fall occurred, what happened is that mankind rebelled against God. Sin came into the world. How did sin come into the world? Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, sin is transgression. Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is rebelling against God. That's what sin is. So sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So there was a blanket punishment. I always like using this example that in boarding school, when one failed what is called inspection, the prefects would come in and they would inspect everyone. Everyone would be standing by their beds and they would uh, go through uh, to see if their creases in the bed and if you're wearing a white shirt they'll check your collar and if your collar was dirty you the people some boys would have very brown collars uh the whole dormitory was punished the whole dorm not just that person everyone if there was a speck of dust on the floor the guy would take literally a pillow and slide it underneath the beds all the way to the end and then if he does this and sees that, oh, there's dust, everyone is punished. And this is what happened, isn't it? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5.12. Blanket punishment. Spread like a virus. You're born a sinner. There's nothing you can do about it. It's in your DNA. <laughs> the seed that you came from. 
already passed on transgression to you. Even before you sin, you're a sinner. Because of the fall of man. The confession uh, continues to say, they had the law of, of God written in their hearts. We've already covered that in a way. And power to fulfill it. They had the power to fulfill it. But simultaneously, at the same time, they had a possibility of transgressing the law. Being left to the freedom of their own will, which was subject to change. How interesting that God, who is infinite, who is glorious, who is majestic, creates mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, and then he creates them in a state that leaves them fallible. Leaves them corruptible. God in his wisdom. We can spend the whole day asking why did he do that? If he's God, if he's truly powerful, he can create us a perfectly perfect and never to be fallible. But this is God we're dealing with. He, that's the way he created mankind. Our first parents were upright. They were righteous. They had the law of God in their hearts. God himself you know, created them. And he bestowed upon them all these things. But they were corruptible. And their will was subject to change. There was something that could change the will of man. Genesis uh, 3 verse 6 gives us this answer. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So left to their own will. Is that, isn't that amazing, though? That if we think about the will of man, Theologically speaking, in the framework of the whole council of scripture, the will of man is always against what God wants. It always, there's always an inclination to sin. There's always an inclination to transgress. Here I'm talking about post-fall. And also pre-fall. This is the reason why they fell. What is the application then, dear friends? When I was, for my grade one and two, I went to a school uh, called Khaswe uh, Primary School. 
It is in a place called Palape in Botswana. And the motto of the school was Know Thyself. So the other day as I was perusing through the page, I was seeing, oh, know thyself. What does that mean? Anyway, you know, this indoctrination of the world. But the application is this. We must know ourselves, and I will add something. Know thyself and know God. That is the application of this. There's nothing you can do about the fall. Because it already occurred. There's nothing you can do about creation, how God created man, and what happened in the garden. But the application is that you now, who are in Christ, you must know who you are and who God is. And if you're not in Christ, you must know that you, are, you have the wrath of God presently resting upon you. Because you're not reconciled to God, though you're made in the image of God. And, and I have to say, this side note, there are people who believe, well, when man sinned, they lost the image of God. That is nonsense. That is nonsense. The fact that mankind sinned does not change that all of us are made in the image of God. All. Every human being, whether it's an aborigine, whether it is someone in Western Australia, whether you, you feel like this tribe is, is lesser, that is your own thing. They are made in the image of God. And every human being has the potential to be saved. Everyone has the potential to be saved. We'll move on to point three and I'll be taking questions as we wrap up of uh, the 1689 uh, chapter 4.3 <laughs> so first of all uh, from 4.2 we looked at the creation and the constitution of man now we are looking at the command to man and the transgression and the, the framers of the 1689 put it so succinctly and very profound Besides the law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. While they kept this commandment, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the creatures. I once... We once went to a, 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 um, a person's diet and I asked a question, a hypothetical question, uh, to which one of the brothers responded, no, oh, you know, I, I said, okay, so if Adam and Eve did not sin, where would we be now? We'd be happy. We would not be subject to sin, right? Hypothetically speaking. And this is what the confession is saying, right? It's saying, besides the, the law written in their heart, they received a command not to eat. And, and at the end it says, while they kept this commandment, they were happy <laughs> in communion with God. 
and had dominion over the creatures. It was paradise. It was euphoria. It was post-millennialism euphoria, the, 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 the euphoria that post-millennials want. You know where you can stroke the lion and the, and the, and the, and the baby can come and uh, the, the, the lion can come and lick the baby and so forth and so forth. So this, the brother was like, no, you know, this is, you know, don't ask such questions. And I'm like, no, no, we are, we are trying to learn, brother. <laughs> Hypothetical question. <laughs> if we did not sin, if the first parents did not sin, what would have happened? And here's the answer. While they kept this commandment, they were happy in their communion with God and a dominion over the creatures. Listen to what the staunch Calvinist said. Says there's a there's a man that I like referring to. Uh, he's a 1689 guy. When I'm doing the confessions, is he goes the title by the title the staunch Calvinist. Says, but our parents did disobey God's command and brought condemnation to all men. But all those who trust in Christ are justified. So he brings the gospel are justified because of what Christ did on their behalf by his perfect life on Golgotha. Our parents at the moment of their rebellion lost holy and sinless communion with God for themselves and for all their descendants when they took and ate of the forbidden fruit. So this means that Shona's, Develes, Tonga's are under the same condemnation. This is why the gospel is so important. And this is why we should not uh, try to paint a picture of uh, that there's a different way for, uh, to salvation for other people and other tribes. It's through Christ. The whole, the whole Bible attests to that. You enter through Christ. He is the door. You enter through the narrow gate, Christ Jesus. There is no name under heaven among which men must be saved. And so, dear friends, this is just but a small uh, perusal of what the Bible says about the creation of mankind. Amen.